Welcome back to the Channel 6 podcast, the Leafs Nation podcast, where we focus on everything Toronto hockey. We're so glad you're joining us again after our episode zero uh, a couple weeks ago. John and I are here today to talk about all things Leafs related with a couple special guests who will be joining us momentarily. I am Meredith Zilberberg or Mayor Out Loud on Twitter, and I'm joined by John Steitzer, our amazing managing editor. Say hi, John. Hello, hello. Um, and we are just really thrilled that you have decided to come hang out with us and our buddies and hear us talk hockey and Leafs. So we have a packed show today. We were so fortunate to be joined by two members of the Leafs Nation crew. Philippe and Scott are joining us today, and we have some great topics to discuss with them and some fun questions to get us started. So without further, further ado, let's just jump right into our conversation with our buddies. All right. Well, we are so excited to be joined today by two guests from the TLN crew, the TLN, that sounds repetitive, from the Leafs Nation crew. Um, Philippe and Scott are with us today, and we can't wait to get to know them a little bit and talk all things Leafs and hockey with them. So I'm going to let them say hi. Scott, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Scott Maxwell. I've been a part of the Nation Network for almost five years now, and then the Leafs Nation for four um yeah i've uh i write for the blog that's probably about all i do at this point but i'm trying to do more things you can follow me on twitter at at uh s-c-o-t-m-a-x-w awesome philippe hey all i'm philippe demos I'm, I'm relatively new to the family actually i only joined during the playoff bubble last year so a couple months here and yeah just writing hockey and having a good time with y'all so um, last time, John and I had a nice little conversation about our origin story, how we became Leafs fans. So we'd love to keep that going and hear from you guys how you how you became Leafs fans. When did that start? What brought you to Leafs Nation, the larger Leafs Nation, of course? Why um, don't we go back to Scott? Yeah. Um, well, so uh, like I've always kind of been a Leafs fan. Like my dad was one, so I just kind of naturally became one in that sense. But I never really followed them until like high school. And a lot of that has to do with the Transformers movies, funny enough, <laughs> <laughs> because I started uh, like I was just really into them and I wanted to watch all the trailers when one of the movies was coming out and the hockey games would always have it on in the intermissions and commercial breaks. So I just started watching hockey through that and then slowly but surely became a Leafs fan. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, sorry, yeah. you were watching hockey just to see the commercials? Yes. <laughs> I, like, you talked to me in elementary school. I was not a sports person at all. It, it was like a massive plot twist in my life. That's, so That's like a really um, lower level version of watching the Super Bowl just for the ads. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Um, mine's... Um, a bit similar in that it's got like nerdy origins because yeah like through most of elementary school through most of the 90s i was uh like i didn't pay attention to any sports at all neither of my parents is a sports fan in any way other than like maybe some like portuguese national team soccer but um i was always playing video games like sports wasn't even on my radar and it was my uncle on my mom's side who got me into it because he's a huge huge leafs fan 
And I, I think it just started with like around 2002, me playing video games at his place because he had a PlayStation 2, was, which was like the hot thing at the time. Uh, yeah. So just playing video games at his place and seeing him get like amped up over the Leafs playoff run in 2002 and then kind of latching on through proxy of being like, wait, what's why, why is this so exciting? And then just kind of watching with him and just him explain the sports to me and kind of really, I was kind of addicted from then. So yeah, the 2002 team got me hooked. They continued to go on a couple more runs the next few years. And then it's been a nightmare since. So I got Except it. Except for this season. <laughs> That's true. Except for this season. It's turning around. Okay. <laughs> Um, so John came up with these awesome rapid fire questions for when we have guests on the pod. So you have like, you got to answer super fast. I'm going to go through all three questions. Um, well, I'm going to go back one and one so that you guys don't know the questions ahead of time, but, um, I'm just going to go through them really quickly and you don't, you have to think on your feet. Okay. So Scott, mm -hmm. favorite leaf current, uh, William Nealander. Sleep. Uh, I want to say Austin Matthews. I've never seen anyone do something like that. What he does. Okay. I'm going to Philippe first this time. What would be your personal goal song? Oh, personal goal song? I've got to give a shout out to the Toronto Six, and it's going to be something like Taylor Swift. It's going to be Shake It Off or something like that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Scott? Uh, this will always change on like a day-to-day -day basis, depending on whatever song I'm listening to. But right now, I'd probably say Midnight City by M83. All right. Okay, and now we're going back to Scott first. Any current playing goalie in the Leafs net, who would it be if you could choose? Like any in the NHL. Anyone. Anyone um, playing in the NHL. I'd say Philip Grubauer. He's like underpaid, but actually puts up good results when healthy. Good, good. Philippe? Uh, I'm going to go with what some people might think of a weird one and say Mackenzie Blackwood. I've seen a few people on Twitter now post his fancy stats, and it feels like the scientist before the storm comes being like, watch out! Uh, his fancy stats are off the charts, and I think he might be a hidden gem there in New Jersey. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Okay, John, I kind of want to get your answers to this because we didn't do this. So your turn. Favorite leaf? Uh, favorite leaf. Huh? I... I'm putting you on the spot. This is unexpected. So I guess <laughs> I will go with John Tavares. Uh, okay, personal goal song? Personal goal song. Uh, definitely uh, D-Light Groove is in the heart. Okay, and any current goalie in the Leafs net, who would it be? Any current goalie? Oh, goodness. Uh, can I say Jack Campbell just to get points with you? Uh, well, that was going to be my answer, but fine. <laughs> okay, but now I'm going to answer because I feel like I have to, and then we'll and then we'll talk a little hockey. But I think anyone who follows me on Twitter probably knows my answer to this, but my favorite leaf is Zach Hyman. My personal goal song would probably be Just Like Fire by Pink. I love Pink. And mm -hmm. any current goalie in the Leafs net. I was going to go with Jack Campbell also, but now I feel like I have to say something different. Um, maybe Connor Hellebuck. I think he's pretty good. I think he, I think with the Leafs, he could do nice That's a things. good safe answer, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. Good. I, I, I got that one. <laughs> um, so lots, lots to talk about in Leafsland today, um, kind of unfortunately. Uh, but, but before we get to the injury situation, which um, I think we probably have a lot to say about, um, there's, there's still these rumors floating around about this mystery winger that the Leafs are targeting. And then maybe it was, it was Forsberg. Did we see that? So let's, let's talk mystery winger. What are we, what are we hearing? What are you thinking? Whoever wants to jump in, go for it. 
I I mean, I, I know my short list of who I would love, and that each one is dumber than the last. I mean, I would I would love if the Leafs bought low on Kaylor Yamamoto now out of Edmonton. He's he's kind of had kind of a slow start to the season after being like a, almost a point per game player during his time last year. And if the Leafs could like flip one of our like depth centers and maybe like a one of our bottom uh, tier defensemen or something to Edmonton for him, I'd be off the wall happy. I remember wanting to draft him so bad before realizing Lilligren was going to fall to us. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player and just not getting enough love in Edmonton right now. Um, that. Yeah, I I know. Like I saw, like as you were mentioning the rumor about Forsberg, and like obviously that's one where, like, you see a name like that, and you're like, okay, yeah, let's just add that to our already loaded top six. I'd love that. <laughs> um, but like even then, just thinking, like, I'm not sure what the price range would be. Like, does Nashville just not think he's that good, and that's why they're selling on him? So like, if that's the case, I'd love to get him. But if it's like a price tag of like a pick and like Rasmus Sandin, I don't feel as comfortable with like going for that kind of a player i know like i also heard uh same team but michael granlin was supposedly the mystery top six winger and that was one that kind of interested me because like you obviously have his pedigree with um how like skilled he was early on and while that didn't entirely pan out he was still like a solid middle six forward and like the fact that he can play both wing and center too is makes it like a really good option because then you have like Matthews and Tavares in center. And then you have like a bunch of different options for that third line center in Granlin, Kerfoot, even Nylander, if you wanted to, so that you don't have to rely on Pierre Engvall to be your third line center. <laughs> also, how do people, people feel about just going buck wild and seeing if Taylor Hall wants to spend the rest of his year here? <laughs> just... I mean, Taylor, is it, he's not having such a great season though, is he? I think he's doing all right. Ten well, points. He's doing, game. Yeah, ten points is uh, okay. definitely okay. looking good. But th- that one goal, especially when uh, he's kind of built uh, a lot of his uh, infamy around being a goal scorer, is a bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that eight million dollar cap hit is uh, <laughs> it's a scary one to look at from a Leafs yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah, that cap hit. I mean, didn't we play a thirty-three million dollar line last night? Like, I don't even. I don't know if we need to like add on sex. to that. Not another six mil or eight mil. Why not? I I I feel there definitely have to be some retained salary just to make that, like probably cut it completely in half, make it 4 million, but then that just ups the price. But Mm -hmm. I know I've, from what I've heard, he has like pretty good, like play driving results and like good, like Corsi and expected goals for numbers. So like at the very least, he's making it up in that regard. I think it's just probably like a lot of bad luck on his end so far in Buffalo. But you know who drives play really well and costs a lot less? Joe Thornton. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We should sign Joe Thornton. I hear good things about him. (laughs) I'm just saying. I I would guess, though, I mean, just from, like, the social worker analyzing people perspective, like, he bought a house in Toronto. Like, I think Taylor Hall signed in Buffalo because he wants to be in Toronto, like, as a person. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily even mean... Does he want to be a Leaf? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I think he wants to, like, be in Toronto. So there might be something there in that sense. It's I feel like he's inching his way closer for next year, where it's, yes. it's like, this is like his, like, hey, can kind of 
get a pair of binoculars and watch me from uh, the other side of the falls type year. And, <laughs> and yeah, next year he'll be ready to move over. Um, now, I mean, everyone knows who, Buffalo's just a suburb of Toronto. Yeah, it's sure. bad enough. I'm sorry that it's Toronto, have... the suburb of, of Buffalo, but. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we it's could also just. In... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, we could also just keep collecting old guys and see if, like, Eric Stahl wants to come over here or something like that. You know, I, just I have don't all mind the old guys on our old, team. I, I don't mind collecting the old guys. I'm not so sure I want to stall on our team, though. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. So mystery winger is still a mystery. I just want to add that Philip Forsberg is on my, um, not TLN, but my other fantasy team. And if he does end up a leaf, I feel a little bit prophetic. And so I just want to put that out there. Um, but okay. So this weekend we also had the Lake Tahoe outdoor games, which were aesthetically stunning and a lot of fun. However, the sun was an issue, which is shocking, I'm sure, to everyone. Um, but so John put out a call on Twitter, and I want to hear what some of the uh, some of the answers were to that, and then maybe we can all talk about where we think a Leafs outdoor Lake Tahoe game should be or would be held. Well, I put the question out there with my primary suggestion of the Dixie Value Mall parking lot, and <laughs> not a lot of takers on uh, on uh, Dixie. But uh, definitely some suggestions around uh, the government and Sneaky D's and uh, some other, uh, I think, uh, Zeller's uh, restaurant also uh, found its way on there. Um, in the more serious options, uh, I think Niagara Falls, uh, Canadian side, of course, uh, with a game with Buffalo would have been uh, one of the... That's like a really cool option. I think that it's... Other than the fact that you wind up playing Buffalo, uh, right. it makes a lot of sense in uh, and the in battle that of the QEW. It actually ends up on the QEW, basically. Yeah, exactly. So there's something to it, and it's something where the two teams have never met in an outdoor game. Uh, though I guess there's no shortage of Leafs versus whoever matchups. But kind of segueing from uh, what Twitter was saying into. Uh, what my uh, suggestion would be is um, I feel that Plains of Abraham would be a cool battle where you get get uh, Montreal, get Toronto, and just kind of have it uh, go full middle school history on our asses and have like <laughs> yeah. Upper Canada versus Lower Canada um, on Plains of Abraham with like Chateau Frontenac in the background and the St. Lawrence uh, Canal and it has the potential to be kind I mean, of a interesting. Yeah, it's, and it's a gorgeous backdrop. So um, other Toronto-based people, so not John, um, <laughs> did you, uh, my school, my grade seven trip, or maybe it was grade six. No, I think it was grade seven. Trip was to Quebec City. So like we we were there, we, we did that. I feel like it's like a rite of passage for Ontario kids, right? Did anyone else do that or am I making oh, yeah. it up? Yeah, no, I'm yeah. pretty sure. If not Quebec City, definitely montreal or somewhere in that area yeah so I, I i like that idea a lot and i mean i feel like john you were worried that everyone's answer was going to be somewhere in muskoka but i mean i think a lot of people know that that would be a really nice idea but there are some really other cool ideas floating floating around too mm -hmm. what anyone did yeah yeah go part of me also kind of wants to go the opposite direction because like 
just have Toronto play in the uh, like Nathan Phillips Square in front of City Hall, and just like have the city skyline in the background, like make it like very Blue Jays game esque, where you can like see the city. Uh, I, it, I think that would be super cool to just have the team playing in this like public forum, and just like you could show the fans like. Obviously, with the restrictions, it probably isn't possible nowadays. But just having that, like the city skyline going on, I think would be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that's cool too. Or like, John was, did you say this, or someone was like the the island with the city skyline in the background? That'd be cool. Yeah, I think we got that suggestion as well as uh, Ontario Place uh, came up yeah. as well. I like that. I, I was I was always thinking like Muskoka E. I love the lakes. I love the water. But mm-hmm. there's something to be said about the Toronto skyline and and how sort of um, synonymous with hockey Toronto has become. I mean, we we joke about it all the time, right? That like everything's about the Leafs, but you know, <laughs> the it's not always untrue. Yeah. Also, another thing that I think would be fun, and I don't think the NHL would ever do this because it's too fun. It's like find some big area where the like there's a ton of water that would freeze over. Like I'm thinking like the what's it called? Like the Hudson Bay type stuff and have two games going on super close to each other. So while one game is being broadcast, you can see the other game in the back as well. Oh, that's cool. Uh, just oh like God. have like Toronto versus Montreal and then Ottawa versus Winnipeg both playing like a hundred yards from each other in Hudson Bay. <laughs> well, I like that wow. idea because it fits in with one of my other uh, thoughts where it's like, you know, it's send the NHL players up as far north as you can, have a night game, and get them playing <laughs> under the Northern Lights. Northern Lights! Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Speaking of Northern Lights, I mean, this is not outdoor game related, but Morgan Riley's girlfriend, Tessa Virtue, um, did like a photo shoot there, like pre right pre-COVID. Um, and it's some of the most amazing pictures I've ever seen under the Northern Lights. So I am all for anything that lets us look at those a little better. I heard a couple summers ago you could like there was one night where you could see them almost from Toronto or from like Muskoka. Does anyone remember that? No. I, I've never seen I, them myself. No, I live right in the city, though, so the light pollution just prevents any of that. I remember my dad and stepmom going up to the cottage with some friends to look at the lights. There was like one night, I don't know, a couple summers ago, but I, I, that's a great idea. And then just leave them up north, the hockey players. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, any outdoor game that was scheduled around now, we would be down a few players. So let's talk uh, injury list, shall we? Uh, how are we all feeling about the current injury situation? Well, I, I mean, none of them are essential players, right? So we don't no. need to. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that tweet hurts my soul. Yeah. Who do we? I, um, who do you think? I put. Oh, Scott. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just gonna say. I like. I feel like I'd be more worried if we weren't like as high up in the standings in the division as we are. Like, I actually don't mind that we're giving players like Thornton and Muzzin and Anderson a bit of rest right now because we don't. The games aren't essential at this point. Obviously, if it gets like closer and closer, like if the Habs and the Jets and the Oilers start sneaking up on us, then start you know, playing them through those injuries. But I think when, even with games in hand, you already have five points on every team. It's probably like safe to just deal with the uh, injuries for now and just let them all rest. Mm -hmm. Part of me even wonders, because I know like all the, like the three or four injuries that got announced this week, like all of them are listed as day to day. Part of me wonders if they're like 
the Leafs are taking a note from the Raptors playbook, but being a little bit sneakier about it because the NHL is less fun than the NBA and just mm-hmm. giving players some intentional rest of just yeah. like, yeah, just it's a quote unquote day to day injury, but it's actually like, hey, we don't need everyone for this game against Ottawa or something like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I think. I was going to say, I think it's probably, it's potentially somewhere in the middle where, because I, I think that if Keith had the choice, he wouldn't have them all out at the same time. So mm-hmm. I do think there's probably, you know, some bruising or soreness or whatever it is on some of them that is, you know, exacerbating it. But I, I tend to agree. Yeah, it's it does feel very load management of just like, oh, all our old guys and goalies yeah. are suddenly... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you look at um, uh, shout out to uh, Mark Norman from uh, our site, uh, his um, his uh, dashboard showing uh, the players that uh, on the Leafs have the most shot blocks or most hits taken. Yeah, the wear the and fa- tear graphic. Please exactly. Credit. I put that in my pregame. I would like John to acknowledge me for my good work. Way to go! <laughs> well done. <laughs> But uh, if you look at like the graphic, it, it shows that like Muzzin and Hyman are the two players that take uh, yeah, yeah. an absolute beating from the uh, least perspective. So it's something where it, they've got the opportunity to sit and heal up for a couple of days. I uh, go for it. Thornton, I think, was always going to be uh, in that same boat where if he's yeah, feeling he's a little off, they're going to shut him down. So uh, yeah, yeah, and probably not too alarming. I would say that the 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 one there, you know, now that we're sort of talking it through and being all rational about it, the, the goalie situation is the one that does concern me a little bit because we do have, you know, Jack Campbell's been out for a bit and he's supposed to come back hopefully this week. But Jack and Freddie being out at the same time concerns me like that one. That one concerns mm-hmm. me. If there's more than, you know, another one game overlap in that, I might start to worry. And by worry, <laughs> I need to freak out. Yeah, Hutchinson has been relieving my worries slightly in that he hasn't been playing like what we've seen from Hutchinson the past couple of years. But yeah, it's and I mean, it really starts just because the NHL kind of dropped the ball with dealing with goalies and the yeah. um, the taxi squad. Like the fact that yeah. every time a goalie goes on waivers, it's automatically claimed. Like it, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. they really could have worked around that better considering they were encouraging teams to get a third goalie because of like the current right. situation. Right. So, then, so I, thought, I thought that there was, yeah, they were supposed to be carrying a minimum and then it got all messed up. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. But since, since we're talking about Hutchinson um, and this actually, I'm, I'm going to throw this guy, this at you guys, cause we didn't prep for this one, but let's just talk about the game yesterday for a minute, because what happened? Like what I saw, I've seen a ton of different takes on Twitter and I'm not sure that I've fully formulated my thoughts, but I've seen everything from, you know, they played well, but just didn't have the puck luck to that was a terrible showing. So we're, what, what do we think happened in yesterday's game? Because I agree that Hutch, you know, in the, in the first game he played, he, he, it was a decent showing and our offense was amazing and it was wonderful. So what, what was the, he, what was the difference yesterday? I think. The big thing, well, obviously, was David Riddick. Like, I looked at some of the stats afterwards, and the Leafs had, at all strengths, about, like, 3.5 goals, like, expected goals. So David Riddick just straight up stopped 3.5 expected goals. And, like, the Flames are also a pretty good team, too, so they can limit their chances. Like, their record hasn't really shown it yet, but they can, like, play with the best of them. And so... The Leafs lacking a little bit of depth helped even that up for them. And 
I think that then you're relying on your stars a little bit too much and then that tires them out and suddenly their chances aren't going in. I think, yeah, just they wasn't their night. Like they had a ton of good chances. They played well. They just got goalied. They were due for one that the way they were playing so far. So I honestly have no complaints from last night. Yeah, my I, think, yeah. I mean, my joke on Twitter was the Leafs are cursed every February 22nd to lose to a poor goalie named David. And <laughs> it's just, like, it feels like, and echoing what Scott said, it feels like at least once every month or two, just some goalie that you would never even consider, don't remember is in the NHL, never even heard of, just kind of like becomes Dominic Hoshik against the Leafs and goes buck wild insane. I don't think the Leafs were perfect. I don't think we can be like, oh, we got perfectly goalied. But uh, as Scott mentioned, it, w- it was closer than the score allows. He just he just played super, super well. And I mean, part of being a good team is kind of bouncing off those efforts and putting up a big win next game. Hopefully, just that's going to happen once in a while, especially if you're hoping to go deep in the playoffs and you face goalies like, like what we dealt last year with Columbus, where these goalies just win off on us. Right. I had this thought while walking my dog this morning, I'll just share that, you know, kind of how the mood on Leafs Twitter as the injuries were piling up yesterday went like, blomp, blomp. Like, I wonder if there was a little bit of that on the team too, that like, there was just, it was just a lot at once that happened. And I wonder if there was just a little bit of mental fatigue for them as well, you know? And I think they've had that before where it's... uh... Very rarely do Leafs ever seem to uh, show up and win games that people start justifying them losing. Uh, yeah. And I think that last night was a bit of that. And it's, oh, we've got the third string goalie in that. We've got uh, four or five key players out of the lineup. And we're loading up one top line and basically running... Uh, three uh, third lines uh, for the rest of the uh, forward group. So I think that uh, there's always something to that because the Leafs rarely uh, end up showing up. And I mean, when it comes to the Leafs' history of getting goalied, I just also wonder about uh, how much emphasis the Leafs put in uh, in doing video pre-work uh, compared to some other teams in the league because uh, uh, it seems like a few... A few quick video sessions on uh, David Riddick uh, would probably uh, help them out a lot. Uh, and in uh, in a season where you're only facing uh, six different opponents, uh, no reason not to sit down and get some good uh, video work in on uh, every team's backup as well as their starter. Yeah. Part of Suppose- me thinks, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, supposedly the... Flames actually knew they were going to start Dave Riddick on Sunday, I think. Uh, but they actually were just like, oh, Markstrom's the starter to apparently try and trick the Leafs, I think, is like get them to study Markstrom and just uh, not worry about Riddick and then throw Riddick in and maybe mess up the scouting there. So I think there is like a lot more to that point there, John. Which I'd, I'm all for the NHL finally embracing gamesmanship as well, too. Uh, like, <laughs> I, it's, I, it's, I, I, with the increased uh, sports betting involvement in the NHL and uh, as a revenue stream, we'll probably see less gamesmanship. But uh, the idea of uh, scratches being announced at the final minute and not knowing who the starter is, like, get some of that kind of playoff feel going into the regular season as well, too, I think uh, uh, keeps it a bit more interesting. Uh, as much as last night was a disaster, 
heading into that game, I was looking forward to watching that game more than uh, any other game in a while because it was just like, I had no idea what to expect. It's like, this is going to be just kind of absolute craziness. It's who knows? Uh, it ended up being incredibly disappointing. Yeah, it used to. It ended up being completely disappointing. Uh, surprise, surprise. But uh, heading into it, it was like, cool. We're going to see them do stuff they haven't done before. So it was fun. Mm-hmm. Spe- speaking of stuff they haven't done before, uh, William Nylander was benched for a little bit the other day. What do we think about that and uh, William in general this season? I know that this is a this is a controversial topic around Leafs Nation, so let's let's hear it, guys. What do we think of Willie this season? I feel like Scott will have the hottest takes on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually like surprisingly because I'm a big William fan, but like I'm cool with his benching uh, in Montreal because like there were definitely times where he was um, like making some really boneheaded mistakes. I think the big one for me was when he was skating up the middle and just threw it to the boards to his left to no one, and then a hab picked it up and he was rushing back to try and stop a two on one and then just got juked out. <laughs> And I think so, and with um, at least like when Keith benches him, you know, there's a little bit of like, hey, like you've been kind of on the bad side of this game. Let's work on this as opposed to, but there's still encouragement as opposed to like Babcock's benching where it was just like, oh, it's, you know, you just got to do this. Be tough on Nylander and he'll eventually get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think as far as this season goes, I've been like fine with him like i think he's still scoring at a pretty good pace i I think that just gets lost in the noise of how crazy good marner and matthews have been to start the season and and, like Tavares can't even um like score to save his life at even strength so that hasn't helped him either um i think it's just a lot of bad luck so far and even if you actually look at some of like the isolated stats for Nylander or even like with or without use with him and Tavares, he's actually driving that line um, based on like, um, cause when now this is a very small sample size, cause it's only like 50 minutes for Nylander away from Tavares and 70 minutes away from, or sorry. Yeah. Nylander doesn't play with Tavares for 50 minutes and Tavares doesn't play with Nylander for 70. But in that time, Nylander has a 58, percent Corsi and a 55 percent expected goals away from Tavares while Tavares has a 40 percent Corsi and 43 percent expected goals away from uh, Nylander so I think like there's definitely something there with like Nylander doing well it's just hard he just hasn't been seeing the puck go in the net as much as we've seen Matthews and Marner mm-hmm. I also think that there's like I think there's too much focus put on a lot of benchings because, like, benchings are most noticeable on star players, obviously. Like, you never hear about Travis Boyd getting benched, even if he doesn't play for, like, eight minutes straight or something like that. Um, just because, like, the coach has to cycle players and has to determine, like, it's their almost the entirety of their jobs to determine what players are best suited for the night's game and such. And I think anyone, and I don't think this is limited to athletes either, but everyone has felt it, whether it's playing hockey themselves or doing a presentation at work. There are some days where you just don't feel a hundred percent. It could be like you had bad food or you have like 
you tweaked your ankle or something like that. Uh, but if the coach notices a player isn't playing at 100%, or even if the player says, like, hey, coach, I'm not feeling it today, um, that could cut on their time. And obviously the players are never going to admit to that because the media would blow up of like, oh, I had a tummy ache. Um, but I think I think the media puts way more emphasis on benchings than players or coaches do uh, in 90% of examples. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I agree I, yeah, and I, I, I've seen some conversation on Twitter, though, that I, I think I kind of agree with in that, you know, I think Willie takes a lot of flack that he probably doesn't deserve, but I also think there's something to be said for the fact that he kind of has, like, two levels and no in-between. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's on and he's great, or he's like, mm. And and well, he's just he he's not su- he doesn't have a ton of time where he's like doing well but not do you know what I mean? Well, I don't even know whether he's got like two levels. I I honestly think that it's William Nylander is William Nylander every single night. It's just if a defensive system or a forward group is kind of playing him uh, the way he needs to be played, he just goes invisible and he doesn't have anything else to offer beyond like playing the way that he plays like he's i find him incredibly consistent it's just a matter of whether that consistency works for him that night and uh the player that that. i've the player i've kind of landed on uh for a comparison to him is he's like alexi kovalev where kovalev got like all the same kind of like oh he doesn't care he doesn't try it's like well they all kind of care and try. Otherwise they wouldn't have become uh, high level athletes. So I I don't know how valid that is, but it's something where it's just some nights he's going to look terrible, but he's still trying to drive plays. He's still kind of going up the boards. He's still invisible in his own end. Uh, I think that's always going to be a a fair criticism. He's not going to hit anyone, but He's just kind of all, always kind of cool as a cucumber, doesn't care too much one way or the other. He's not going to be the over-the-top determined guy in the last five minutes of the game, but he's also not going to be uh, completely absent um, if it's a 5-1 pasting in the second period either. He'll still be outdoing William Nylander things. So I think he's just the same thing every night. It's just it works better some nights. I think that and- makes sense too. And we forget too that like when he was drafted, that was always the big thing with him. Like he has this top six forward upside to be like a high scoring player, but then he's also going to have those shifts where you're just like, what the hell? Like <laughs> put in more effort. And even there's also just the idea, like I think we don't pay enough attention to the fact that star players don't have to put a hundred percent of effort all the time because they're just that good. Like Nylander is such a good skater that he doesn't have to be skating like a workhorse so he can kind of float in and still skate at the same pace as Jake Muzzin who's like working his ass off to try and get back into the zone so I think we always kind of forget that as well that like Nylander is such a good skater that he doesn't always have to be like hustling around well exactly (laughs) I mean that's where it's like people are um and again I'm not saying he's been bad he's actually been very good uh, but Zach Bogosian uh, is easy to like because it's you can see him putting that effort in because he's Zach Bogosian. It's he has to be uh, hustling around to save his uh, his career and stay in the NHL versus 
um, and he's not not as strong a skater as Nylander. It's I think that uh, I think that's a valid point too, where it's it's easy to see effort at the bottom of the roster and harder to see the effort at the top of the roster. I think there's also something to be said for the fact that Willie has figured out how to um, not let Toronto media get to him. And that makes him seem to them like he doesn't care and he's aloof. But what he doesn't care about is what they have to say because he's he's set himself at that level. Um, and that's really the only way to, to to survive in Toronto hockey and Leafs hockey because the media can be really hard on these players. And, and so I think that, you know, the media kind of has a field day with him not caring, but it's really that he's just tuned them out. Yeah. He's mm. kind of inherited that Kessel. Uh, <laughs> uh, reputation. And, I mean, good for him. Like yeah, they're, no, they're exactly. cultures. I would wow. have loved to see what the media would have had to say if William Nylander dressed like David Pasternak did during the Tahoe game. <laughs> like if, if Nylander showed up with pink sunglasses dancing to Barbie Girl, how Steve Simmons would have spontaneously combust. <laughs> uh, forget Steve Simmons. I think Baghead might have jumped off the cliff. I mean, it would have, whatever. Anyways, um, so that is that is a lot of stuff to talk about for today um anything pressing leafs or hockey related on your mind guys that we didn't cover today that you wanted to to bring up or mention um nothing um, comes to mind for me i'm gonna take that as a no yeah no uh, um, it's uh we're part way through a, i was gonna say a long season but that's the opposite we're part way through a short yep. season so <laughs> the ride's only just begun folks yeah. um <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for joining us. This was this was a lot of fun and great. I want to give you um, a chance quickly to just remind everyone where they can find you and and the the stuff you write and work on. So, Philippe, where can where can listeners find you? Yeah, the best place to find me is of course on Twitter at Philippe Dimas, F I L I P E D I M A S. Uh, from there, I share a bunch of uh, stuff I write, whether for Leafs Nation or uh, the Beaverton and various other publications I write for. And uh, twitch.tv slash Folopo, F-O-L-O-P-O, where I play many games with many local comedians and we we get drunk and crack jokes. Awesome. Scott, what about you? Where can we find you? Um, yeah, the main source you'll find me is Twitter. I'll share, I always share most of my work on there and that'll be where you'll have a lot of my thoughts on... Uh, like hockey whenever i don't want to write an article about it sometimes i'll have music takes or i'll just randomly tweet when i'm having existential crises you know the normal <laughs> stuff um, and then what we all use twitter for yeah and then uh you'll find my work if you don't have twitter on the leafsnation.com great thanks guys really appreciate it and we'll we'll talk to you again soon Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure you keep an eye on the TLN Twitter, TLN DC, to know when new pods drop. And we hope you'll join us again.